This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott. Or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda. Whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe. Every day at Saks.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm James Swanick, and I'm about to have a productive conversation with Mike Vardy. Welcome to A Productive Conversation. It's me, Mike Vardy, and on this episode, I'm joined by James Swanick. He is an Australian-American investor, entrepreneur, speaker, and former Sports Center anchor on ESPN. We didn't even get into that. We got into alcohol and its effects on productivity, but not even to the degree that we talked about sleep. And as a night owl, I wanted to get into that. I mean, James has a lot of background in both of these areas. He is the creator of Alcohol-Free Lifestyle, which helps successful high achievers change their relationship to alcohol. He's the host of the podcast, Alcohol-Free Lifestyle. He's the creator of Project 90, which helps high achievers get lifetime power over alcohol. And he's also the creator of Blue Light Blocking Glasses called Swannies by Swanick Sleep which improve your sleep. So we we had a lot that we covered during this episode. We could have talked for far longer, but it was just really great to be able to talk about two things that really can affect one's productiveness, sleep and alcohol. We danced back and forth between those two topics. I hope you enjoy the conversation. Here is my conversation and a productive one at that with James Swanick. Enjoy. James, thanks so much for taking the time to join me today on the program. I'm excited to, to see you here. You're welcome. Excited to be here. Thank you, Mike. So we were just before we hit record, I was saying you you covered this this conversation is going to be like a typical kind of conversation where we cover a, a range of expertise within your field, but you're you you've got an interesting kind of um body of work in that when it comes to the idea of cultivating productiveness and, you know, improving one's relationship with time and, you know, an understanding uh things that can benefit you. Uh, when it comes to that, the idea of sleep and the idea of no alcohol, both of those things are like right in your wheelhouse. And as a, a dyed in the wool night owl, which is where I'm going to start, um, it's sleep is one of those things where we, I wouldn't say we have a love hate relationship with it, but it's very different for people who, whose body clocks are geared towards, you know, getting up later and staying up later. Um, I'm wondering, as just just diving right into it, what 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 do you feel in terms of sleep that night owls need to kind of worry about or concern themselves with? Maybe maybe in a different way than those that aren't in that kind of circadian uh, rhythm. Well, night owls are staying up very late at night and probably staying up at night inside of artificial light. Yes. Computer screen, cell phone, microwave light, refrigerator light, kitchen light, reading light. Do you brush your teeth 
in the last hour before you go to sleep, Mike? Yes. I uh, actually yes, I do. And there's uh, that would be, we're going to get to the the idea of brushing your teeth and why I want to yeah. get into that too. So yes. Yeah. So the way you brush your teeth is destroying your sleep, and I'll talk about that in just a moment. Sure. We'll do this do that as a little tease. So what night owls are probably not doing is wearing what I'm wearing right now, which is a pair of orange lens to blue light blocking glasses. Now, obviously, this is from my company, Swanick Sleep, but as long as you can get a reputable pair from any brand, this will protect your eyes from that artificial blue light, which will help you to fall asleep quicker and then ultimately sleep deeper and wake up feeling refreshed. The problem is, is that most night owls and most human beings for that matter, are living in all of this artificial light, which is stimulating our pituitary and pineal glands, which is tricking our body and mind into thinking that it's still daytime. And when our body and mind thinks that it's still daytime, we keep the daytime hormones flowing and we prevent the nighttime hormones, including melatonin, from flowing. That's why being in artificial light at night or staring into screens at night can disrupt our sleep. So then my next question would be, do you think that with the use of blue block, uh, blue light blocking glasses and things like that, do you think that by doing that, it will adjust a body clock? Or do you think that it will, because that, that I've always been fascinated by the idea of, okay, and I mean, I wear progressive lenses. So for me to get blue block, I would have to get the ones that either go over top or I'd have to get prescription ones. Um, and I know there's some that can do that. But my point is, is that, do you believe, and is there any research behind this, that by doing that, it actually adjusts the body clock a bit? Or is it just, it allows them to kind of not disrupt what would naturally happen for them in terms of their circadian both. rhythms? Both. Okay. The answer is both, and it depends on who the person is and a, sure. and a multitude of factors. Um, by the way, our, our company, Swanick Sleep, actually does make prescription glasses in the blue blockers, but and we also have those fit-overs that go over the top. That and look like giant, like 1980s. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, they don't look that sightly. You probably wouldn't want to go out in public wearing them, but the time to wear these glasses is usually in the last hour before you, you want to sleep when you're at home by yourself or with a spouse anyway, and your mm -hmm. spouse probably doesn't care what you look like at this point. So... <laughs> So they're, they're practical and functional, if not uh, aesthetic. Having said that, the whole purpose of me building this business and starting this business all the way back in 2015 was to create a stylish pair of blue light blocking glasses that would inspire me to want to wear these glasses every single night. And right. so I they think look we good. did it. They look really we, we good. We did an admirable job. We yeah. did an admirable job. I'm not like a Tom Ford model or anything like that, but I certainly <laughs> don't look like a meth chemist either. Um, what? Let's get to the t the brushing of the teeth because that was something when when I was doing you know kind of going through the 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 links and stuff, including watching several of your TikToks, which I'm enjoying quite a bit. Um, Thank you. The brushing your teeth thing, I'd never heard or read that before. So, mm -hmm. I mean, one thing, I mean, there's lots of um, you know anecdotal and even you know some actual data around like if you brush your teeth, you floss your teeth, like those build habits, et cetera, et cetera. But I never heard that just the way you brush your teeth or brushing your teeth at night. So can we get into that and how it destroys your sleep? Because to me, that's yeah. especially because if anyone has looked at my teeth before, it's already challenging enough for me to like, you know, flossing is, is the one thing I've struggled with, but I know, and that's, that's a habit building. I yeah. think Julian Smith talks about this in his book, the flinch, like building it, like 
start flossing your teeth is like one of the best habits you could start. So I would do it at night and then I would brush my teeth because most people brush and then floss. I floss, I think someone told me floss, then brush. But now this has kind of thrown me off like, wait, but not at, not right before bed. So let's dive into that a bit. So I have good news and bad news. All right. Which would you like first? Uh, let's start with the, uh, well, we, we let's start with the the good news. Let's 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 so that way I can ease into the in, into my new habitual change yeah. around this. Well, the good the good news is is that I'm about to make your sleep so much better and your listeners sleep much better if they just do what I suggest. The bad news is is that when I say the way you brush your teeth is destroying your sleep, it has nothing to do with your style, whether you use a brush or whether you you use floss. It's got actually, it's actually got nothing to do with that. And everything to do with the fact that when you brush your teeth, you are doing it with the bathroom light on. And you're doing it, most human beings on the planet do it within 30 minutes of bedtime, mostly five minutes before bedtime. So your eyes are just literally being blasted by artificial light, which is tricking your body and mind into thinking it's still daytime, mm-hmm. which is suppressing your melatonin release, which means by the time you get into bed, having spent those few minutes in the bathroom brushing your teeth with the light on while not wearing a pair of protective blue lockers, your sleep is now compromised. So it's a little bit of a trick, and I'm sorry because you really did, you really had a big, big build up to this question. <laughs> no, but, but that's, no, that's, that's really good because it, it's mm. often, this is one of the things that I think people get wrong about um, when they adopt new habits or when they're trying to, again, you know, craft their time is that Mm. they think the tools are necessarily going to be the, like, I got to get the fanciest toothbrush. I got to get the best this. Sometimes it's just that, again, it's, it's something unexpected that, Mm. that, and maybe, and and again, unconventional. I know you've spent time uh, with Dave Asprey before who I've had the pleasure of being. He's actually spends a good deal of his time up here in Victoria. Um, Mm. And they used to have the upgrade labs here and all that stuff. And, uh, but, but the idea of things you can do to improve the journey that we have on this planet for as long as we're here. Often we're trying to do these things that are radical. That's not radical. Like saying, you know, I mean, what's, what's the answer? The answer is probably number one, either brush your teeth with the lights off or number two, do it earlier and then just don't have anything that's going to, you know, infiltrate your, your teeth. I would imagine, right. It's, but would the other reason that it tricks your brain too, is that most people brush their teeth first thing in the morning too. So it kind of confuses things. Would that be it as well? Uh, Not so much because we actually want to expose ourselves to as much light in the mornings as possible because that's what triggers our circadian rhythm. We want blue light during the daytime. right? right? And in in fact, the biggest emitter of blue light is the sun. And we want the sun. We want to worship the sun. We want lots of sun because the sun triggers the daytime hormones. Mm -hmm. But we don't want the sun at night, which is why the sun goes down and which is why, you know, we... We sleep when the when the sun has gone down. So the, I, I'm telling you, like the, the biggest in my experience, and I've been studying sleep since 2015, and I've interviewed the world's top sleep experts, sleep doctors. I've done studies. The University of Washington did a scientific study on our very blue light blocking glasses, the, the Swannies from Swanic Sleep. Um, I know sleep, like I, I know it. Uh, I, I know more than say the average person, and I can tell you this. If you can block as much artificial light at night in just the last 45 minutes to an hour mm-hmm. by wearing a pair of quality blue blockers, limiting your light exposure, 
um, only removing the glasses once you switch the final light off and then you roll over and, and go to sleep without wearing the glasses. Just heads up, you don't wear the glasses to sleep. No. You just wear them before you go to sleep. Right. Um, and then in the morning when you wake up, you get outside as soon as possible or you stand by the window and you get let the natural light hit your skin mm -hmm. and you kind of like not sun gaze, but just let that, let your eyes open so the body knows, oh, this is wake up time, right? Daytime. Okay. That will just, that will so noticeably improve your sleep and your quality of life that you will be astounded. Here, you don't need prescription drugs from your doctor to fall asleep. You don't need alcohol. To, alcohol, well, people, you, well, I mean, there's an example right there. Alcohol, people are like, I'll just have a nightcap before going to bed. That's going to knock me out. And I mean, there's lots of that. Let me tell you. Mm. Okay. That's a great segue. You're better off drinking alcohol for breakfast than you are anywhere near bedtime. That's that's because the, least... the soundbite for this episode, by the way, James. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to get rid of, like, you're better off. Just drink alcohol first thing in the morning, and then that's it. No, sorry. Keep going. <laughs> At least if you drink alcohol for breakfast, your body now has 16 hours to go to work to get rid of the toxins that you've just ingested. The problem is when you drink close to bedtime, you're essentially putting the body to work at a time when the body doesn't want to work. Your body wants to rest. Do you remember back when we, you know, in the industrial revolution where people would, would clock in for the day and then they'd clock out, you know, they'd literally put a card in which would clock and say 8.59 a.m., yep. 9 a.m., clock in, and they'd clock out at 5, 5.30. Well, every time you pour yourself a drink at nighttime, you're essentially clocking in for a night's work. Mm. And you've already had a whole day's work picking up your kids, doing your business, running your podcast, working for the boss, going through traffic. The last thing you want to be doing is clocking in for work. You want to be clocking out of work. But every time you pour that drink, that's what you're doing. Because what happens is the body now has to go to work to break down the toxins at a time when your body wants to be sleeping, which means rest, which means deep REM restorative phases of sleep. It does not mean live out churning over going, let's get this toxin out of here. Let's get this foreign substance out of here. Because make no mistake, alcohol is nothing more than an attractively packaged poison. And while it's true that it may knock you out or help you to fall asleep, I, I, I concede that drinking alcohol may help you fall asleep. The quality of your sleep will be so severely compromised that it undoes any benefits from falling asleep in the first place. We're going to circle back to the alcohol stuff in a minute here because there's a whole area I want to go down. But I want to circle back to the exposure to sunlight thing because there's a couple things I've learned. Uh, and again, it's just by opening your mind up to to the idea of this is not the way – the way we've been doing things doesn't necessarily work. So um, I'm, I'm sure you've obviously listened to Huberman's stuff, Andrew Huberman, you know, things. And – I, I go in and out of listening to, like any other podcast, really. I don't listen to every single episode. I don't expect people here, by the way, to listen. If you are listening to every single episode, I love you for it, but I don't expect it. But um, I remember, and again, I think it was a clip on TikTok, uh, so you can tell where I'm trying to spend more time and learn a little bit more about the platform, um, is the idea of don't drink coffee first thing. Don't drink it, right? And so the hard part, I think, for some people, when I've, I've shared that with them, and they're like, but how am I supposed to wake up? Like coffee's what gets me the caffeine in the morning. And his, he said the exact same thing you did. Like get get sun on you as soon as possible. Like get light exposure. Don't drink the cortisol. We're I'm going to let you share the, the reason why because I'm sure you, I'm imagining you agree. But my my thing is maybe not. Um, 
the ritual, the way I've replaced the ritual is decaffeinated coffee, like really good quality decaffeinated coffee. And I have a coffee bar downstairs. We have a, the warehouse is situated. We used to have a suite downstairs. So it has a kitchen and it's got a bright window right there. So while I'm making my pour over during the increments, I actually step outside. And the other thing I do, which again, I'd love to, so number one, the coffee thing, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, the decaf, all that stuff. But secondly, when I go outside, I actually take my glasses off. Ugh, which is going to be hard with these headphones on. But nonetheless, I take these glasses off because while these don't necessarily have reflective coating so that when I'm on camera, it doesn't reflect. And you know what I'm talking about. If you have the wrong, it, it can. Um, I want the sun to directly, I want the daylight to hit my eyes without anything in the way. Even if I can't clearly see what's going on because I'm blind as a bat without these things. So that that's my new way of doing it for the past several months, as opposed to coming downstairs, making my pour over, which I love with caffeinated coffee and then getting on with my day. It, that doesn't seem like a massive shift in getting what I want out of the morning, but I think it's more beneficial. So can we dive into that a little bit? Cause I'm sure there's others out there that a look at coffee first thing in the morning as a caffeine delivery mechanism. And again, why are you drinking decaf coffee, Mike? What's the point? And then secondly, the, this idea of, you know, um, those who, you know, again, taking your glasses off, even if you're wearing prescription glasses that are not to get that direct sunlight. I'd love to hear some thoughts on that. This episode is brought to you by Sax.com. At Sax.com, it's easy to find your new vibe. Dive into the Western trend with gold cowboy boots from Stott or go full 90s throwback with platforms from Prada. You can shop for everything on your agenda, whether it's a breezy Zimmerman dress for a garden party or a bright Chloe blazer for brunch. Find inspiration for your new vibe every day at Saks.com. Well, um, if you're feeling like you need caffeine to start your day, then I submit there's something very wrong with your habits. And those habits begin the day before. Right. Uh, nobody in a natural state should require a stimulant to get going during the day. It should just be our circadian rhythm works the way it's supposed to work. We go to sleep, we wake up, we feel energized, we, we get started, we go about our day. So we don't, we shouldn't be getting to a point in society where we need any type of stimulant to get going. Okay. Um, if you drink coffee within the first 90 minutes, caffeine within the first 90 minutes of your day, then you will certainly get that boost, but then you are more likely to have a crash in the afternoon. And, and our cortisol levels are already very, very high first thing in the morning. Now, cortisol is the fight or flight hormone, and we want cortisol in the morning. So we've got the energy to get up and get about our day. Right Now, the challenge is that when you drink coffee and you drink caffeine, which is a stimulant, it basically makes the body stay in that high cortisol phase for longer. And what happens is, is that you end up storing more body fat because of that. So if you are wanting to lose some unwanted body weight, you might be carrying a few extra pounds. Even if you don't eat all morning, the fact that you drank coffee first thing at first 90 minutes, your body's now in that cortisol phase for longer. Your body's holding on to that fat storage for longer. It's not burning that fat. 
it's not starting burning the, the fat quicker and it's not as effective. And you get that crash in the afternoon, which probably will result in you going to reach for another coffee or a sugary food to give you a, a, a boost. The other thing problem with coffee is that because it is a stimulant, if you're wanting to go to sleep at, uh, let's say, 10 p.m. most nights, if you drink any caffeine after 12 p.m., you're compromising your sleep. No two ways about it. Um, and people swear. They say, oh, yeah, I can drink a coffee after dinner and I fall asleep just fine. And again, I, I say to you, I'm sure you can fall asleep just fine. I believe you. But the quality of your sleep is going to be so co compromised. And people, you might notice I'm wearing an aura ring. It's just one yep. of those devices um, that you can wear. I mean, I've, I've tested this multiple times. I mean, I have clients who stop drinking, they stop co coffee and they look at their results when they are drinking, when they are drinking coffee. And then when they stop drinking or they stop drinking coffee, at least at the time, at least after 12, their sleep improves noticeably. It's right. like a graph, like a hockey stick. It just bang. It's like, wow, look at that improvement. Um, in regards to the, um, decaf, if there's no caffeine in it, I see nothing wrong with that. If it, if it, if it creates the, the ritual of you drinking something warm and hot and it gives you that taste and there's no actual stimulant in it, I don't see a problem with you drinking in the first 90 minutes. It's only if you're drinking real caffeine. And then uh, in relation to the glasses, um, staring at the sun or at least staring to the sky first thing in the morning, allowing the sunlight to hit your skin is absolutely going to be beneficial for you. And so I think you're doing a great job in doing that intentionally and purposefully because that will actually help you to sleep better 16 hours later. And I've noticed it. I have noticed since I started doing it. The other thing I've noticed is, to your point, I was one of those people that could drink, that could, quote, drink coffee or or soft drinks, which have caffeine in them, later in the day. Number one, age has proven that to be, <laughs> it's amazing as you age that your body goes, not so much. Uh, let's not do that anymore. Well, and again, this is going to be a nice segue into the alcohol part because it's the same thing. As you get older, you're. We were talking earlier about my daughter being in Europe for the next four months. She's 18 in Europe. I mean, she's still getting started on that journey, and she could, if she wants to go out and have a few drinks with her friends, the next day her hang like she didn't even know what a hangover was until actually she went to Europe. Um, but for me, if I was to do that, like the next day is a write-off. Like, it, it's just bizarre. Um, the other thing, but what I have done, and I want to hear your thoughts on this, because this is a tool that I think has really been helpful. And if for those that can see it, which if I'm, you know, if you're, is these these Stanley-style water um, that people are buying, like the, the trend of the, the big Stanley cups that fill like eight, however many glasses of water in it. I'm noticing a lot more of these out. It's really weird how a trend of just like something that was is made by a company known for its construction materials and like hardware to make a and this is not a the one that I'm getting I got from ConvertKit so it's not a real quote air quote Stanley um has helped with that. So this to me is the thing that I fill up multiple times per day which is just a replacement. Um we've you know James Clear's been on the show before we've talked about habit replacement and things like this. Um the coffee thing is interesting because you if you're not careful, de the decaf you get may still have caffeine in it. There's ways that you have to, like, you have to actually do a bit of research. It's not unlike non-alcoholic beer and non-alcoholic drinks, which are really having a movement right now um, and have for the past few years. I'd love to hear your thoughts, especially coming from the angle of alcohol and how, 
what for those that don't have a problem, and when I say again, I'm air quoting it because I've been noticing more again through video, through reading, that there's people that are just quitting drinking, not because that they quote have their alcoholics, but they're seeing patterns that they don't necessarily like and they want to make a change. Um, there's a few videos out there. Josh Duomo is one, for example. He's saying, you know, I've just noticed that like I would go and have a couple beers. Uh, Bill Burr was another one, you know, where he like just said, yeah, you know what? I don't want to drink anymore. And I've kind of gotten to the point where how many beers out there are going to be that much more mind blowing than the ones that I've had in the first f close to 50 years of my life? Like, am I going to, so I've been shifting towards, you know, non-alcoholic beverages. So I'd love to hear your thoughts on that again, into that replacement vibe, especially when you're talking about social settings, because there is still that, uh, that stigma is going away. Like the idea of drinking non-alcoholic beer because all the crap you used to get here in North America was O'Doul's or like the, the really, but now there's some good non-alcoholic beers that actually taste okay and they can act as, so I'd love to hear your thoughts on that, you know, in, in general, because I'm sure that there's pros and cons. So can you share that with me? Well, first of all, alcohol's reputation is crumbling. Yeah, it really is. Never before have there been so many alcohol-free alternatives on the market. Millennials are turning their back on alcohol in droves. Um, this ridiculous study or studies in the 1980s, which suggested that a glass of wine a night was good for your heart health has been debunked so many times. In fact, there was a study of studies uh, last year out of the University of uh, um, Victoria in Canada by Professor Tim Stockwell. And he looked at 100 previously published studies on alcohol, uh, claiming that uh, alcohol was good for heart health. And what he found was that those studies were um, skewed and biased. Um, fascinating. I mean, that, that, is, that, that should tell you everything about how we as, as a society have been, I would say, manipulated by liquor companies into believing that this thing is actually good for us. All of the marketing has smiling, happy people. We associate uh, wine with romance and beer with camaraderie and mateship and um, champagne with celebration. I mean, all of that stuff was just created by a very clever marketer. Yeah. Um, I mean, what is champagne? It's just attractively packaged poison. It's just poison put into a very nice, sleek bottle and uh, with a very hefty price tag. And then we throw in a man in a tuxedo and a woman in a nightgown um, or in a very elegant dress. And we all of a sudden think that what's in that very attractive bottle is high class or elegant or sophisticated. It's just poison. That's all it is. And it's the same with wine. And we have these ridiculous things like wine tasting and pairing and all oh, the oak and the barrel and the flavor and all this kind of stuff. I mean, look, it's all just, it's all just culture. It's all just cultural conditioning. The reality is this, and there's no escaping it. Okay. This is the reality. Alcohol is poison. There is no nutritional benefits to it whatsoever. Now, the challenge is, is that when we little boys and girls, our parents drink in front of us and yep. they say, no, no, little Mike, you can't have a drink. You can have a drink when you're older. And so now little Mike has this belief in his mind that, oh, okay, drinking alcohol is something I get to do when I'm older. But then when you get to drink it for the first time, it tastes foul, right? It tastes disgusting. Yeah. And, and then you learn to appreciate it. 
because society is now smiling. There are smiling assassins everywhere. They're saying, hey, can I get you a drink? Would you like a drink? It's the waiter and the waitress who greet you at the restaurant. They say, hey, hello, Mike, can I get you started with some cocktails, some wine? And they're smiling. And I would submit, Mike, if you have a party at your house and you invite your next door neighbors over or some friends, you're probably going to be want to be a good host. And you're going to say, hey, can I get you a drink? We've got some beers. We've got some what? What can I get you? And you're yep. smiling. So you're being a smiling assassin in that case because you're, you you have the, like, you're trying to be a good host, you're trying to be friendly, but you're associating joy and pleasure with drinking this toxin, right? Mm -hmm. And all of society does it. And we're, we're, most of us are just completely blind to it. And so coming back to your, your question about alcohol-free alternatives, look, I have a 90-day stop drinking program called Project 90. Yep. And I, uh, as part of the requirement to be in that is that you do not drink for 90 days and we're going to help you and support you in that. Okay. We, we make sure that you don't drink for 90 days. They ask, can I drink alcohol-free alternatives? And I say, it's not a requirement that you do not, but I'm going to invite you not to during these 90 days because we want to remove the association. Right. Right. And so what happens is for 90 days, we rewire the mindset. They don't drink alcohol and they don't drink alcohol-free drinks. At least that's my invitation not to do Right. And then at day 90, then they have a choice. Now they've conquered alcohol. They no longer, it no longer has control over them. They have control over it. And now they can make a choice. Are they going to now drink actual alcohol on occasion or not, not at all? And are they going to drink alcohol-free alternatives on occasion and not at all? That's up to them, right? Everyone is different. Right. But I would say if you're trying to stop drinking, don't just switch to alcohol-free alternatives. Try to go 90 days first, whether it's through my process or another program or trying to do it on your own, even though trying to do it on your own has been proven statistically to be very ineffective. Try to get to 90 days without either, and then you can assess from there. This may be a little bit out of your wheelhouse, but I'm going to go down this path anyway. Um, some people, when they are removing alcohol from their lives, they tend to keep something that it has been legalized in a lot of countries as a replacement. And that would be marijuana, right? You know, the idea of, and you hear the term California sober, right? Which is, you know, I don't drink, but I, what, what is your, what is the relationship around that compared to, again, alcohol? And then even, I mean, sleep. You must have been, I'm, I'm imagining you've looked at this a little bit because it's now emerging, especially in, you know, I mean, in Canada, it's legal every, like you can get it pretty much in any province because it's a federally, mm -hmm. uh, you know, it's federally regulated. Whereas in the United States, it's state by state, but it's becoming, it's almost like as smoking went away. Cause you were taught as you were talking about alcohol commercials and, and the idea of marketing cigarettes were, were the same. Right. You know, in a lot of ways, like there's a movie called Thank You for Smoking that kind of exposed the uh, it's a, um, a Jacob Reitman film that kind of was a satire, but it kind of exposed the marketing around it. And mm. now you're seeing it in Canada, especially like every cigarette has like basically paraphrasing. This will harm you like on every single cigarette. Right. So they're really right. now alcohol. You're right. It's it, it's temperance is taking hold in, in younger in, in you know younger generations. And, you know, they're, they're looking for alternatives and it's not, you know, it's not as, um, it's not as prevalent. Um, and we're seeing that and we're actually, it's funny cause you are seeing marketing change around it, especially when you've got like major beer companies going here, try our zero alcohol alternative soda, mm. same thing, right? With all the sugar you're seeing there, like that's another one. And you could argue that just like, you know, alcohol is poison. 
the kind of high fructose corn syrup is po- is toxic to a lot of people as well. What about the marijuana thing? Because that's emerging, right? I mean, as an older person walking, it's funny because when I smell someone smoking pot around, I know it's legal, but there's still that like culturally like from Mike as a kid going, who's smoking pot? You're not allowed like, but you could legitimately walk down the street and smoke a joint just like you would walk down the street and smoke a cigarette. Can't do that with alcohol in Canada, but I know in, other, in some places you can. So are, have you been looking into that, into its relationship with sleep, but also the, the correlation between alcohol and sobriety and then marijuana and sobriety? Well, look, um, candidly, I'm not nearly as much of an expert on cannabis marijuana as I am on alcohol. But I will say this, I do believe that it is certainly a natural product as opposed to uh, alcohol, which is just straight toxins. So I would say uh, modest levels of cannabis use, I, from what I've read, seems perfectly fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I've also read is that, especially with the youth of today, overuse of marijuana can create a lot of depression issues, uh, lethargy, uh, helplessness, um, and 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 those kind of challenges, and and keeps people stuck in procrastination and doesn't get them up, moving forward and into momentum. So I say what I just said hesitantly, right? And 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 also through the lens of I don't, I'm not an expert in that, but I'll tell you this: if there was a choice between uh, having one drink a night or one. Um, half a spliff a night or, or, or an edible or, smoking, or something like that, smoking a modest amount of marijuana per night for the rest of your life. I would submit that smoking the marijuana would be way better for you and way healthier than, um, than drinking alcohol. So I want to, as we get close to wrapping up kind of, we've already walked through one actionable tip, like when you brush your teeth at night, don't turn on the lights <laughs> and maybe do it earlier than, than one hour. Mm-hmm. Um, a couple of things I want to uh, kind of get clarification on for those that are listening that are like, but what about reading before bed? Right. So reading a book on a Kindle, like, so p- some people are going to say, well, the Kindle it's e-ink. Is that, is that something that people should put down as well? Not only because it like has the, it's just one degree away from picking up your phone or picking up your, your tablet. Um, mm-hmm. Or is it, does it have the same effects? Uh, you know, the, the Kindles, the e-inks, the paper whites, these ones that are coming out with less, um, maybe less reliance on blue light, or maybe, uh, maybe there's just a lower volume. I'm not sure. So you must, I mean, you've got some thoughts around this, I'm sure. Well, look, yeah, look, any artificial light, unless it's removed 99% of the blue light and it says that is going to be problematic. I mean, we have light bulbs um, at swanicsleep.com where we've stripped away 99.9% of the blue light. Candidly, we've stripped away 100%, but legally we're only allowed to say 99.9%. We're not allowed to say 100%. But let's say it's 100%, right? Um, Rounding up. (laughs) Yes. So there are light bulbs and you can fit them into your bathroom, your bedroom, your kitchen light, bathroom light, put them all over your house. And live in that light and you'll be fine as long as you then don't look at an, an e-reader or a Kindle or you can be wearing a pair of quality blue sure. light blocking glasses when you do so. Okay? okay. Now, people say, oh, I don't need glasses. I've got that setting on my iPhone, you know, like Twilight and blah, 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 blah. And I've got flux on my computer. And what I would say is that would give you a good three out of ten coverage. But again... It still doesn't do anything about the bathroom light, kitchen light, microwave light, refrigerator light, the alarm clock light. Have you ever been to to a hotel room with those absolutely horrendous 
alarm clocks, digital alarm clocks with that light so bright. And they did a study that came out last year that showed that any amount of that artificial light, which lights up your skin when you're trying to sleep, is enough for the body to sense it and not be in that deep REM restorative phase of sleep. So I always just either pull it out of the plug or I turn it on its side or on its front. So that, that, that is that is gone when I'm in a hotel room like that. And also that annoying little red or blue light on your television when it's in standby mode, that kind of light as well can mess with you. So even though the room might be dark, just one little light, what about the air conditioning light? That kind of light can be enough to disrupt. Now, certainly not as much as if you go to sleep with the light fully on, right? And you're just sleeping, but any amount of light according to studies is enough to mess with you. So don't even, don't, what I would just say is stop trying to convince yourself. This is not to you, Mike, but to sure. your listeners. Don't try to convince yourself that because you've got an e-reader or you've got the twilight setting on your phone or the nighttime or the thing, that that's enough coverage. It's not. It's probably giving you a two or three out of 10 coverage, but you really need a quality pair of blue blockers or to just make your, your room dark. And we're also saying, like, to clarify, it's you're talking about when when does that really need to take effect? Because some people are like, yeah, but I got like I'm watching TV. I don't want to adjust my life entirely for this. Now, I mean, obviously, I think working into the wee hours of the morning if you've worked all day is is something that you probably should look at anyway. But you're saying like the last hour or like when is when is the optimal time? And I'm going to refer to this for anybody, whether you're a night owl, early riser, or whatever, for you to go, okay, it's time to put the time to put the blue blocking, uh, blue light blocking glasses on. This is when I should do it mm. if I want to make sure that I get the best quality sleep that I can. Well, I'll give you best practice, and sure. then I'll give you what I do. And okay. I do not do best practice, right? And I'm the creator of a pair of blue light blocking glasses and have studied sleep because I understand human psychology and behavior and best practice – 1% of people on the planet will do and then the other 99% won't, right? right? So best practice is when the sun goes down, live your life by candlelight. Don't go into, don't don't have electricity that lights up your room and just live by natural flame because natural flame and fire does not disrupt melatonin production. So essentially live your life in the dark, except for a few candles like we used to 100, you know, 100 so years ago before Thomas Edison mass produced the light bulb in the late 1800s right? Mm -hmm. That's best practice. Next best practice to that is um, wear a pair of blue light blocking glasses not long after the sun goes down in whatever time zone you're in. So if the sun goes down at seven, put the glasses on and wear them for three consecutive hours before you go to sleep. Now, I know enough about human behavior and my own behavior to know that no one's really going to do that. One percent of people like the hardcore dedicated biohackers are going to do that. But I'm not going to do that. And so what I do as someone who's studied sleep and produces blue light blocking glasses is in the last 30 minutes to an hour before I know that I want the lights off and I'm beginning to sleep, I put them on, okay? And here's the key. I leave them on until I switch the final light out. What I don't do is put them on, watch a bit of Netflix, brush my teeth in the light, then I take them off, jump in the shower because now I'm exposing my eyes to the light. I don't do that. I have the shower, mm-hmm. right? I do everything I need to do with my body beforehand, and then I put the glasses on, and then I keep them on. I crawl into bed. I have a bedside uh, lamp, and I turn the lamp off, and then in the dark, I remove the glasses 
and put them on my bedside table in the dark and then I go to sleep. And that has worked beautifully for me for about, oh, let's see, eight years now, since 2015, I've been doing that practice and my sleep is almost always amazing. Right. And see, I think that's the thing is, is there's no one size fits all. Like you've got like, here's the hardcore, but here, here's how you can adapt it. You mentioned something really quickly. You shower before bed, right? So you, are you, so I've been, one of the episodes we'll probably link to is the conversations I've had with Dr. Michael Bruce, who also mm. happens to be a night owl slash wolf. And so we've had conversations yes. around that, but we both agreed that we are slowly, that's the other thing is as night owls, our body clocks are shifting earlier and earlier and earlier as we age. Not, we can't do the 2 a.m. that we use used to, nor should we. But uh, we talked about like one of the things that I've done for a number of years is a bath before bed, right? Because um, it helps me go to sleep. And I'm like, this is really interesting. It make it calms you down. And lasts me. I wonder why. Now you shower. And then when you get up in the morning, I'm imagining you probably like the only thing I do in the morning as part of my morning routine is I will, um, before I go downstairs to make my coffee is I will, we have one of those rain shower kind of things upstairs, like in our bath. So I will like, even before we had our conversation today, I will go and put cold, like cold water and w over my hair so I can at least style my hair and stuff, but no shower in the morning. That's for later in the day. That's what I do before I go to, I mean, sometimes I'll have a shower during the day, but I definitely have a bath before bed. Why? Why do I feel so much more relaxed and ready to go to sleep after that comparatively to, because most people, I have a shower to wake myself up in the morning. I don't need to do that. So mm. I'd love to hear some thoughts around that because there are, I've talked to some people who are like, I don't have time in the morning. I'm rushing around to like, well, have your shower the night before. Oh, but then how am I going to be clean? I'm like, well, you, you, you had a shower the night before. Like you should be out, mm. like you've now saved 15 to 20 minutes of, of time mm. there in the morning. So you're not going to rush out the door. You can actually ha approach the day with more purpose and less frenzy. So I'd love to hear mm. some thoughts around that before we wrap up. Yeah. So, uh, our body likes to sleep in a cool environment and the body temperature likes to be cool. That's optimal sleep. Right. Okay. So the actual room temperature is 65 to 69 degrees Fahrenheit, which is a little chilly, but that's what's been shown to help human beings sleep the best. Um, now when you have a hot shower or a hot bath um, an hour or so before bedtime, your body temperature actually gets hot, right? Which is counterproductive. But the drop in body temperature from hot to cool, actually that cooling process actually sends the body into a cooler state than what it might ordinarily be. And so then that is conducive to a good night's sleep. So there is there are benefits to having a um, warmish to hot shower an hour before sleep. Now, I wouldn't be doing it five or 10 minutes before sleep right. because your body temperature will get too hot and it'll take some time for your body temperature to cool, right? But an hour before sleep, if you're having a hot shower, it should be okay. Um, now, you do sweat a lot during the night. We don't see it. We don't feel it. But we do still sweat. Mm -hmm. in the night. So that would um, that would lead one to argue that you probably could or should have a shower in the morning because your body has got sweat on it. But sure. it's not like it's, it, I mean, it's eight hours in a bed with your body rubbing up against cotton or silk, depending on. Now, if you've got cotton sheets, I would probably say 
you'd be more likely to want to have a shower. But if you've got silk sheets or silk pillowcases, silk actually retains the moisture in the body. So you're not as dry or as weathered doing that. For example, we have a, a, a oversized 100% pure silk sleeping mask that mm -hmm. we use. And um, they've done studies that show that if you wear a silk sleeping mask, like the one that we we, we have at Swanick Sleep, the next day, um, the visible signs of, of crow's feet and wrinkles are uh, noticeably reduced because the silk has retained the moisture. But if you, I don't know what kind of pillow slip you have, Mike, but if you're putting your face, right, on yep. a cotton, on a cotton um, pillow slip, right, you're rubbing that face up against that up against that cotton, which is dehydrating the skin and the sweat is just coming out and it's not being retained, right? Right. Now, again, you wake up in the morning, you don't really notice it because a lot of times it's cool and cool. You don't really associate cool with sweat. Um, but nevertheless, you have been sweating very modestly throughout the night, even if you don't immediately recognize it, which would be reason for, I guess, it's fine to 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 commit to having a, you know, having a shower in the morning. Um but again, that's where people's body types are very different. Yeah. You might be talking about a, a, a you know a slender and slim, hundred and twenty pound woman versus a two hundred and twenty pound man, and it's like you know there's it, all kinds of variables. And and I think for for those that are thinking, okay, well that's not my you know, so I should have a shower. I'm like, look, if your problem is sleep, then I would say the ba the shower or bath before bed is a good idea, right? If you know, regardless. Um, and for me, I think I need to calm my mind down. That's the interesting thing about being for, for the kind of work I do and being a night owl is I need to gradually wind down or my body will go, Oh, well, there's more to do. I'm like there's first off, there's always going to be more to do. It doesn't matter whether you're, <laughs> you will never fully completely be done. You'll always try to find something to do. I just, what you've given me and, and the listeners to think about today is like just lifestyle adjustments, something that you can do, um, you know, simply, not necessarily easily, but, you know, in a way that's going to allow you to kind of forge, you know, new habits that get you better sleep. But also, you know, we touched on the idea of removing alcohol. So here's my last question for you. What's your nightcap? What's the lat, like what most people will finish a nightcap with like a cup of tea or they'll have that, mm -hmm. that drink. What, what's your nightcap? Is it? No, 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 not for me. Not within three hours of sleep. I try to avoid any liquids or foods within three hours of when I want to sleep. Mm -hmm. Because if I find, even if I'm drinking, you know, water or soda water or a nice cup of tea or something close to bedtime, it, I, I end up getting up in the night to urinate, you know, more than what I ordinarily might if right. I hadn't drunk. And that disrupts my sleep. Um, it's a little bit challenging at times. It can feel challenging at times is sorry, a better way of saying it because you know, sometimes we're thirsty at the end of the night. But if you can load up with water and you're um, throughout the day and cut it off with dinner and just don't eat food, don't have snacks, don't have liquids, uh, again, that will be conducive to a better night's sleep. Um, so I don't I don't have a, um, a hot tea or a water or anything like that. I just, you know, I, I go to sleep at the moment between 10.30 and 11. It's 6.49 p.m. local time where I'm recording this. When I finish this, I'm going to have a meal. I'm going to have some, have a soda water, ice, and a piece of lime. And then I'll shut up shop. That'll be me for the night. And then uh, I'll go to sleep between 10.30 and 11. I'll have my blue light blocking glasses on and, and you know, no alcohol, no snacking, no, you know, the problem with eating and too close to bedtime as well is that you're, again, you're putting the body to work to right. break down that food at a time where it wants to be resting. Right. 
James this has been great. Um, we, we could probably talk a lot more about the variety of things that definitely impact productiveness and improving one's relationship with time, but I want to be respectful and uh, we maybe have you back on to dive in more into the, into other areas that definitely will help people. Where can people keep up with you and the work that you're doing? Well, if you're interested in stopping drinking, um, if you're a business owner and you're an executive, uh, we have a 90 day stop drinking process called project 90, and you can go to alcoholfreelifestyle.com slash project 90 for more information. If you want to do just a gentle 30 day, no alcohol challenge, then you can go to 30 day, no alcohol challenge.com. I'm on Instagram and TikTok and at James Swanick. And if you're interested in sleeping better, whether it be our um, blue light blocking glasses or our sleep masks, then you can always check us out at swanicksleep.com or just type in Swanick in Amazon and, and we'll come up there. And we'll have all those links in the show notes. James, thanks so much for having a productive conversation with me today. Thank you very much for having me, Mike. Thanks to James for joining me on the program. You can check out all of the show notes, relevant links, clickables, all that fun stuff at productivityist.com slash podcast 496. If you want to support the show and you enjoy the show and you've been listening to it for a while, or maybe this is your first episode, subscribe to the podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you take in your podcasts. I'd love to have you on board as a subscriber. It makes it really easy to find all of the episodes that you want as they come down the pipeline, but also to search through the archives to find episodes with David Allen and Chris Bailey and Gretchen Rubin and Laura Vanderkam and a whole host of others. As we get closer to that 500th episode, you've got a lot of back catalog to go through. So subscribe to the show today. Another way to support the show is, of course, to check out the sponsors that you heard during the conversation. Just go to productivityist.com slash podcast sponsors to make that happen. That's it for this episode. Thanks so much for taking the time to join me. Until next time, I'm Mike Vardy, the host of A Productive Conversation, reminding you to stop doing productive and start being productive. See you later.